We're going to go to the book of Ezra. Once again, Ezra chapter number 2. I'm sure everybody's excited about reading that today. Well, some of you have read it. Ezra chapter number 2. And we're not going to attempt to read all these names, thank goodness. I don't think as if I practiced and practiced, I don't know if I could make it through all of these in this setting. Uh, We're going to read a couple of verses and we're going to skip down some, read a little bit more, try to get on into the message. Ezra chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Now these are the children of the province that went up out of uh, the captivity of those which had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away unto Babylon, and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one unto his city, which came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvi, Rehem, and and Benai, I knew I'd slaughter one of them. I knew I would. I knew I would. Uh, uh, Bana, the number of the men of the people of Israel. Skip down, way, way, way down. <laughs> w- w- way, way down. <laughs> to verse number 68. Verse number 68. I, I would encourage you to go back and read all of that if you haven't. <sighs> It'll help you along the way. Verse number 68, and some of the chief of the fathers, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to set it up in his place. They gave after their ability unto the treasure of the work three score and 1,000 grams of gold and 5,000 pounds of silver and 100 priest garments. So the priests and the Levites and some of the people and the singers and the porters and the Nethanims dwelt in their city, and all Israel in their cities. Now, if you leave your Bible open there, we're going to look at a few verses throughout this message. Pick one out here and there. Uh, some things that I believe that are going to be important for what we're trying to convey this morning as we preach on this subject. Make your life count for God. Make your life count for God. We're only given one life. All right, let's make our life count for God. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, what a blessing it is to know that we have your word in our hands in this old King James Bible. And Lord, that uh, it is important. All of it's important. And I'm thankful for the lesson that we can learn even today. And I pray, dear God, once again, that you would just open our hearts and minds to that, that you do the work that only you can do. We, We pray for power and boldness as we preach, Lord, clarity of mind and speech. Uh, that we might get this message across the way that you'd have it done. Thank you for your goodness and mercies. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God.
If I were to say the name John Maxwell, there's a lot of people in this room that probably would immediately think of a book on leadership that you've read from him in the past. Um, He's written a lot on leadership. Uh, There's several of his books in my library. And I don't claim to be some great leader, that's for certain. But his books have taught me a lot about teamwork, about working together. Because we are challenged by God to strive together for the faith of the gospel. And in our work for God, it is teamwork that makes the dream work. That's one of his little catchy sayings, teamwork makes the dream work. But it is true in the work of God. Teamwork makes the dream work. Maxwell says, uh, quote, one is too small a number to achieve greatness. I have a pastor friend that says one is too small a number to do the work of God. It takes a whole church to do the work of God. I thought that was very, very good. Because it does take a whole church to do the work of God. Maxwell also has the law of the big picture. The law of the big picture is this. The goal is more important than the role. The goal is more important than the role. With the work that we're doing as a church, trying to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the goal is much more important than the ways that you or I may work at getting that accomplished. We're trying to get people to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more than just me. It's more than just you. It's, 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 the, uh, it's the goal of getting people to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that their life can be changed by the good grace of God. Um, Maxwell also talks of countability. Uh, it's this, when it really counts, we have to be able to count on one another. Um, <clears throat> the day and time that we're living in and, and everything is uh, just kind of up in the air, very liquid from from a very fluid, from week to week, even day to day and all. I know, that, uh, I know that uncertainty is in our minds a lot. But truly, as a church, we should be ready and able to count on one another uh, to continue to do the work of God. That very principle is laid out here in chapter 2 of the book of Ezra. God had called a group of people together to rebuild His house in their homeland in Jerusalem. And the goal was rebuild the house of God. And every person that headed back there from Babylon was to have a role in getting that job done. The goal, rebuild the house of God. Every person, every person that we skipped over here, but God didn't skip over, all of these, they had a role in getting this job done. It's one of those chapters, this is one of those chapters in the Bible that when you come to it, you think, oh, I could just skip over this chapter and, and avoid slaughtering all those names again. It really can't be that important. But remember, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It says all Scripture. That would mean all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So although this chapter may not be real exciting to read, it can teach us about the importance of making our lives count for God when we are needed to do so. Every child of God is important to God and can be used by God. If we look at verse number 64... The Bible says the whole congregation together was forty and two 
5,303 score. So we see the number of the people that returned to build the house of God were 42,360. In, in, in that large group, there were, no doubt, there were men and women and boys and girls. There were husbands and wives. There were dads and moms. There were children. There were grandchildren. There were ordinary people like you and me, just ordinary folks, just, just ordinary people. There were entire families that made this 1,700-mile trip back to their homeland. Um, in a group like that, in a group that size, uh, there were people that had hopes and dreams. Come on, we're talking about just normal people. They had hopes and dreams. Pardon me, there were those that were full of worries and fears. Don't you know? I mean, they're not sure what the next day would bring. But they were of the mindset that uh, they needed to do what God had for them to do. They were ready to work together to build the house of God. They had joined together to do this. That's why they were returning to do this. They wanted to fulfill God's purpose for them. I said in the Sunday school class this morning, God has a purpose for our life before we're ever even born. He has a plan for us before we ever even exit the womb. And, and although at first glance this book may look like, um, I, I, although at first glance it may look like this 42,360 people are, uh, uh, that are named in this chapter, um, well, they're not all named, but some are numbered, numbered, along with their family name. Now get this, I want you to get this. They were part of that group that came to work for God. Well, what's, the deal? what's the big deal about that? Well, God saw it as a big deal because He was at least willing to put them down as ones that came. And, and I guess we could look at it like this. God showed great grace when He didn't put more names. Like... 42,360 names in there to read. He shortened the chapter for us a little bit. That's the wonderful grace of God. Amen. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Think about it. God recorded the, those numbers in His Word. And in doing that, He was acknowledging their faith and their willingness to be a part of His plan. He, he wanted us to know that, that, that uh, 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 what they had done counted for Him in a time and place where the work of the Lord counted. This was a big job. It had to be done. Needed to be done. And God has something to say about them, but He also has a lesson, I believe, for you and I through them because of their contribution to the work of God. As we start in our, in, in our, in our reading there, and we see that there were 11 leaders of the community. It talks about them in verse 2, which came with Zerubbabel and Jeshua and Nehemiah and these 11 men that are numbered there. Those that were returning were described as the children of the province. The people of Israel talks about that in verse number 1. So the province or the region that it speaks of is the Babylonian province of Judah. King Nebuchadnezzar had resettled them all there during the captivity. And these were small communities that were populated by Jews in that area 
um, that had avoided the destruction of Jerusalem back in 586 B.C. Uh, these were the people of Israel, those that were descendants of Jacob. So they were the children of Israel. So we know that the people of Israel were divided by God. We know that, I mean, a long time ago, into 12 tribes, corresponding with the 12 sons of Jacob, or, or Israel. And these 11 men that are named there in verse number 2, um, were the current recognized leaders of those tribes, over those tribes. And so we know because of the preaching of the prophet Jeremiah that it was God's plan to replant his people back into the promised land after those 70 years of captivity. And these 11 leaders were there to see that it happened. So there had to be leaders. Come on, there has to be leaders. And, and so they were there to see that it happened. And this is bigger, this is really bigger than it looks at first glance. Well, why is that, preacher? Well, because Zerubbabel was a, was a descendant of King David, and he was the head of the tribe of Judah. And yes, the returning of the Jews to their homeland to rebuild the house of God was very, very important, but it's deeper than that because Zerubbabel's name is recorded in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So God was working even back during that time to keep his promise of a Savior coming into this world. I'm telling you, there's no part of the Word of God that is, well, that needs to be looked over, overlooked. I, I, I'm telling you, every part of it is important. So be assured that whatever it is, please get this, whatever it is that God is doing, even today, and all the unrest and everything that's going on, is much bigger than we know. It's much bigger than we know. God sees the big picture. He sees everything. He knows what is going on. He knows what tomorrow holds. Do not ever doubt that. When we make the decision that we are going to make our lives count for God, I'm going to say it again because it's very important and it has to be a decision. When we make the decision that we're going to make our lives count for God, it has to be a decision. I want my life to count for God. When we make that decision, we're joining something that is a lot larger than our own personal lives. It's much, much bigger than just us. It's much, much bigger than just the individual. So these people that were returning, they were just ordinary Jews. And they were headed back home, verses 3 through 34. We could read, but we're not going to. And these people were just common people with common lives. And they were looking forward to um, having common livelihoods once again. They'd been captivity. Now they get to return to the homeland, establish homes, start jobs, get jobs, whatever it takes. They, they were looking for things to be normal once again. Everyday people just living everyday lives. And that is who makes up the biggest part of the crowd. No, I think that's an important part. These everyday people were, were the biggest, made up the biggest part of the crowd that was headed back. But because they chose to be a part of God's plan, their lives were going to end up being of great importance to the work of God. Their lives are very important to the work of God. I'm saying that God doesn't take anyone for granted. Someone that decides to do what God would have them to do, God doesn't take them for granted. You know, at times we may get to feeling like we're overlooked in God's work. We may, get, we may feel like we're insignificant as we do the work of God. I'm telling you, God does not overlook us. 
we're very important to the work of God as we decide we are going to make our lives count for God. They were a major part of a team that was going to take on the task of rebuilding the house of God, of putting together a place where they could once again worship. Very important task. So every one of these 42,360 people, they were individuals. I know that's very simple, but it's true. Every one of them was one person. One person. They were just one of many. Come on. In our, in, our, in our way of thinking, they could just be lost in the crowd. In our way of thinking, they could just be overlooked. It's not a big deal. I mean, in our way of viewing this, it's just not God's way of viewing this. Because every one of them was important. Because of their decision to make their life count for God. Because of their decision to do what God would have them to do. Not, not necessarily leaders like the first 11 men on, on the list there. But it, it was their place. It was their place. These common people. It was their place to fulfill any of the unique roles. Um, I'm sorry. It was not their place to fulfill any of the unique roles the other ones we're going to look at in this passage. They were just part of doing what God would have them to do. These were just ordinary people of God who had made the decision to do the work of God. But I want you to get this. Please get this. They were just as important to God. They were just as important to the work of God as any of the others that are listed here. I'll say it again. They were just as important to God and they were just as important to the work of God as these 11 leaders or the other ones we're going to look at here in just a second. And and you may not think that you have anything to offer God, that your labor doesn't count for much, but that's not how God sees it. Every believer can make their life count for God. Every believer is important to God. Every, Every believer, every believer ought to look for that place that they fit in and can be used by God. Because everybody's important to God. The devil loves to lie to us, doesn't he? I said he loves to lie to us and tell us we're not important. And nobody would even miss us if we didn't show up. And it's not that big a deal that I get involved in anything. He loves to lie to us that way. But that is a lie. Every believer has a place that they can do a work for God. Every believer has a place that they can be plugged in if they so choose to do that. I'm telling you, every believer can make their life count for God. There were also those that had been set apart by God to be ministers to other people. Look at verse number 36. It says, the priests, the children of uh, Jediah, the house of Jeshua, 973. So there were the priests. Now, these were those that, that lead them in the worship of God. They were the ones who, who were to offer up the sacrifices for the people of God. And, and they gave spiritual guidance uh, to folks. And they were teachers of the law, of the Word of God. Uh, there were nearly 4,300 of these priests. About 10% of this group of Jews that were priests. And somebody might be thinking, man... That's a lot of preachers. Why so many preachers? Well, because those men knew that there was no other task at hand for them at that time. 
It's what God called him to do. And they were determined to be a part of rebuilding the house of God. It's the plan that God had for them. It was God's calling upon their lives, and and they were there to fulfill the will of God along with God's people. They were determined to do what God would have them to do. They were working along, they were working shoulder to shoulder with God's people. And they had a purpose, and that was to rebuild the temple so that they could get back to worshiping God the way that they should, so they could get back to doing the sacrifices the way that they should. And then there were the Levites, Um, verse number 40, the Levites, the children of Jeshua and Cadmiel, of the children of Hodaviah, 70 and 4. Now get this, the Levites were the appointed servants of the priesthood, please get this, they were the appointed servants of the priesthood. Well, what do you mean preacher? Well, they were, their, their responsibility was to assist with the offering of the sacrifices, um, they were the ones that took care of the utensils and the vessels in the temple that they used to do all the sacrifices. And we can see here that there were only three Levitical families that chose to make the journey back as we read on. And the total number, total number of them, the total number of them was 74. 74. What, wait a minute, 4,300 priests? Yep. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And just 74 of these Levites? Uh-huh. Yeah. See, it's not the way it should have been. No, no, no. The, the Levites should have way outnumbered the priest. There should have been thousands of them returning. To help. Can, no, no. Can you, can you imagine all of the sacrifices every day going through the temple? All of the, all of the animals being inspected? All of them being bled out? All of them being all the things they went through? We'll have all these priests and 74 helpers. Um, well, preacher, why were there so few of them? I'm not sure. I'm not, why is it that a major part of people who profess Christ as their Savior never bother to darken the doors of the church? I'm not trying to be ugly. I mean, it's just a fact. Do they not feel like their lives, their service to God even matters? Come on, let's back up a few steps then. I, no, I don't want to back up real far. But I said, the devil's a liar. And he lied. Well, it's not that important to go to church. It's not important to get involved. It's not important to get grief. Somebody's going to step up and do something. You know, if everybody thought like that, nothing would get done. We have to believe this. The Levites that returned, did return at that time, they... They most definitely counted for God when it counted. Apparently their hearts were in the right place. Because they had a heart to serve God. 
Then there were the other servants, verse number 41, the singers, the children of Asaph, uh, 128. We can go on down. The children of the porters, verse number uh, 42. The children of the porters, verse 43, the Nethanims. The singers, the porters, the Nethanims. So there were those who, that ministered with music. They were singers. Hallelujah. We need singers, don't we? We need that. Yeah. And then there were those that ministered to the people as greeters and ushers. That's where the porters. They were greeters. They were ushers. They helped people. And then there were those that served people by doing whatever needed to be done. Whatever needed to be done. What else needs to be done? And that was the Nethanims. The Nethanims were Jewish proselytes. The They were Gentiles from other countries that had converted to Judaism so that they might worship the one true God, Jehovah. There's only one God. And they converted to Judaism so they might worship that one true God. And they were ready to serve wherever they needed to serve. Whatever needs to be done, preacher. That's what I want to do. I was once lost in sin. I was just a Gentile, not knowing God, and he saved my soul and made me his child. Mercy ought to be willing to do whatever he wants me to do, surely. Yeah. These Nephanims, they were the ones that served the most basic task, but, but there were 392 of them that were ready to get back to serving God in whatever way that God would allow him, them to serve in the house of God. So the Bible records 42,360 people returning to rebuild to do the work in the house of God. And I promise you that every one of those lives counted for God. No, no. Every single one. Every one. No, these are ones that decided, yep, we're going to go back. We're going to get involved. We're going to be a part rebuilding the house of God. And everyone that made that decision, are you still with me here? Everyone that made that decision counted for God. They counted for God. Well, preacher, God loves all of us. That's the truth. Absolutely so. That's true. Without a doubt. But I want my life to count for God. No, I mean to think that we are able to have a part in God's work if we so decide to have a part in God's work. It's amazing. I want my life to count for God. But there's one other group that's talked about here. We read about them. In verses 68 and 69. The chief of the fathers, verse 69, they gave after their ability unto the treasure of the work. They gave. So they were willing to give so that the house of God could be built. And it says in that, in that, in that portion of scripture that they gave, uh, what they gave was offered freely. It was a free will offering. We want to see the house of God go forward. We're not talking about a tithe here. No, 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 no. But an offering above and beyond the tithe. 
This was an offering that was given. It was given by grace. And that's the type of offering that we learn about in the New Testament. That free will offering above the tithe. The starting place for our giving, we know is, as it's described in the Bible, is the tithe. That's 10% of our income. That first 10% of everything we make, it belongs to God. Somebody say amen. Can't get away from Bible truth. It's just a fact. It's a fact. And God blesses our giving. Grace giving is when we make an offering above and beyond the tithe. I've heard it said, said often, we tithe to prove we're honest. That belongs to God. We give it back to Him. We give offerings to prove our love. That's above the tithe. So, grace giving is when we give above and beyond our tithe. Our giving to missions, our giving to a building fund, our giving to the bus ministry, our giving to the teen ministry, our giving to the benevolence fund, etc., on and on and on, is giving that helps to keep the work of God moving forward. It keeps the work of God moving forward. No, no, no. If these people wouldn't have been able to give, stay with me here. If these people wouldn't have been able, uh, been willing to give the way that they gave, it would have been very tough to rebuild the house of God. And God apparently prompted their heart. And so out of a willingness, out of a heart for God, they gave. And, 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 and we already know this, and you know this, but, but it, it's different according to each person's ability to give. Some of these could give more. And they did. Because they could. Whatever God would lead them to give, they were willing to give. But everybody gave, everyone gave something. And it talks about gold and silver and priestly garments. They, they were supporting, we need to understand this, they were supporting the building and the ministry of the house of God. Never forget this, if you're going to help people, it's going to cost you two things, time and money. Truly. It cost to do the work of God. It cost. And that's not going to be accomplished by throwing a dollar or two in the plate every now and then. God's work does not get accomplished by giving our pocket change. It's not the way it works. Not at all. Well, I guess you're trying to dig in my pocket. We're talking about a free will offering. I'm not trying to dig in anybody's pocket. Mercy's sake's alive. I just want people to give the way that God wants them to give. Well, how come, preacher? Because I know they'll be blessed if they do. Man, we started giving all those years ago after, after we got saved, and we have never regretted that for one second. Continue to do so and just watch God bless us over and over and over and over again. Amazing. Truly amazing. That's what God wants. He just wants us to give as He would have us to give. God has always, always used tithes and offerings of His people to support His work. It's, it's God's way. That has always been God's way. Every born-again child of God should take part in supporting the work of God. Preacher, there's just not much I can do. Oh yeah, we can all do something. We can all do something. 
The biggest thing that we can learn, of course, from this passage of Scripture is that every one of those listed here were important to God. They were important to God. Come on, the, the, the nethanims, just whatever needed to be done, they were just as important to these people that gave. I'll say it again. The ones that were just doing the work, whatever needed to be done, to God, they were just as important as these ones that gave. They were just as important. Absolutely. They were all important to God. They got involved and they were all important to God. They counted for the cause of God because they were willing to work to fulfill the purpose of God. Their lives counted for God when it counted. Do do we know all their names? No, but our Father in Heaven does. Do we, know, do we know every way in which they contributed to the work? No, but our Heavenly Father does. Their lives counted to Him. And He, God, wants us to know that. That's why He listed all these names. That's why He did that. Even by number. He wanted, he wanted us to know that these people were important to Him. And important to the work of God. Their, their, their lives counted to Him. It's grievous to a point because there could have been a much bigger group to return if others had decided to do so. I said there could have been thousands more of people to come back and help in all of this if they would have just decided to do so, decided that it was important to do the work of God. But all of those, all of those that did came became an heir of God's promises and part of the promises and part of the prophecies that ended up bringing our great Savior, Jesus Christ, into this world. Come on, the word, the word of God, uh, the work of God is much bigger than we see it. And when we get involved in the work of God, it's an amazing thing how we can have a part in things that are going on even around the world as we support missionaries that are carrying the gospel to every creature. We have a part in that. We can be a part of that. Truly. All of them were part of the one of the greatest works of God in Israel's history and rebuilding the temple. There was, not, there was not one of them there that by themselves could have done what God needed done. I'm going to go back. Who's going with me? Uh, we're not going. Well, I'm going by myself then. I'm going to rebuild that temple. That could have been a tough job. I'm sure Brother Andrew wouldn't want me to put that on his to-do list. He did do a great job in tackling that floor in there, though, didn't he? Amen, amen. Yeah, thank him. It, It took all these people working together. To 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 fulfill God's plan for that time. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that one is too small a number to do the work of God. It takes us all. When we're talking about a bunch of common people, most of the ones that are listed here, they weren't leaders in the community, they weren't priests, they weren't Levites, they weren't singers. But that didn't matter. Because the main goal was more important than their individual roles. I said the main goal was more important than each individual role. You know, it's a real shame. It's a real shame that somebody would want to get involved in the work of God just so somebody would pat them on the back all the time. That's not what the work of God's all about. 
The work of God is accomplishing what God left us here to do, and that's get people to Jesus Christ, to see them saved and baptized and discipled, trained up in the way that God would have them to go, that they might be blessed along the way so that they can go out and find somebody to lead to Jesus Christ and see them get baptized and join a church and grow up the way they should go. I'm telling you, God's work is a lot more important than just you and me as individuals, but you and me as individuals are important to God. Our life counts if we get involved. These people, they just wanted their life to count for God. And their lives did count for God. In the work of God, there's a place for every child of God that is willing to fulfill His purpose with their lives, not their own purpose. I said at the beginning of this message that uh, God has a plan for our lives before we're ever born. And He does. He does. And so all through our lives, we need to be seeking the Lord. What wilt thou have me to do? What do you want me to do? These young people that sat in the auditorium this morning, you know what I want for them? Whatever God wants for them. I want them to be right where God wants them to be. Because I've lived otherwise, and there's not much, uh, there's not much good to that. For every, for every man, woman, boy, and girl sitting in this place today, for every member of Riverside Baptist Church, I want God's will for their life. That's what I want. Not my will. His will. Because I know that if they're in His will, Brother Jim, that things are going to go good. They're going to go good. Absolutely. But we have to decide that we want our lives to count for God. Count for God. Look, we may not all be musicians, but we can all sing praises to the Lord in congregational singing. Amen. I love standing up here when the choir is behind me and they're singing. I feel like I'm part of something. They make me sound good for sure, I guarantee you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not real musical, but I can sing praises to God. And you know, not everybody can be an official usher, but everyone can be a greeter. I said, everybody can be a greeter just going around welcoming people to the house of God, even, even those we see every week. I said, even those we see at every service. Come on, we ought to be greeters. We ought to be, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? I mean, I mean, it should be that way. And every Christian, every believer, every born-again child of God can tithe. Well, I'm telling you, preacher, my tithe wouldn't be very much. It, 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 no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. It, 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 mm. God doesn't look at the amount. He looks at the heart. There's some people who can give a whole lot more than we can. But we're going to try to give every bit we can. Because of what God has done. And everybody can tithe. Everybody can tithe. You, you know, you, you, do not, you really do not have to do any great thing, any great thing for your life to count for God. Truly. I mean, just show up. And be willing to participate in whatever way that God would want to use you. Whatever that might be.
I'm almost done. I know you don't believe that, but I really am. It grieves me as a pastor um, to, to uh, I, I try to prayerfully help people to serve in areas. I try not to just try to shove somebody into an area where they're going to be uncomfortable, something they wouldn't want to do. I, I try not to do that as much as is possible. I try not to do that. But it grieves me when I try to enlist someone to work in an area I think that they would be used well by God when they say, well, I, don't, I, really, I really don't want to do that. I just don't think that's the way the Nephonims were. I think that they were willing. I mean, if God would show them a place where they could serve, I think they were willing, hey, whatever whatever I can do, however I can help. I just want to be a part of what's going on. I want to, be, I want to make my life count for God. I want to do something for God. But I tell you, a big part of that is just making church a priority in your life. No, I'm talking about church service. Make it, make it a priority in your life. That's, that's definitely a part of, of God's plan for every believer. And of course, to personally invest in your church. Give your time. Give your tithes and offerings. Give your service. Give your prayers. There's a human cost to doing the work of God. It's true. And I can tell you this for sure. You need your church, and your church needs you. Absolutely. Never get to feeling like you're just in insignificant. Nothing. Oh, no, 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 no. God has a plan. He has a part. He has a place. All these folks were important to God. But we have to decide we want to. We have to decide that we want our life to count for God. We want to do something for God. I've, I've often said one of the most important jobs in the church is cleaning the bathrooms. I mean that as sincerely as I can say it, truly. Because I'm telling you, there's not many visitors that show up. If they, they walk into a restroom, it looks like a truck stop restroom. That they're going to want to come back. It's a very important job. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's somewhere in the Bible. No, it's not really. But <laughs> Mom used to say that it was. Anyway... I'm glad that there are people that are willing to do that that don't think, well, nobody will even know that I do this. God knows. And isn't He the one that we should be trying to please the most? We're making our life count for Him in whatever place that God would use us, however God would use us. We had a group of people out yesterday. They were beginning to sand down the buses. We're going to paint the buses bright colors. It's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be great. I've been wanting to do it for years, and we're finally going to get her done. I'm telling you, I, I, I mean, they're going to be bright colors. I, I told them they could 
What color do you want, preacher? Bright colors. Bright, bright, bright colors. Everything but pink. We're not going to have a pink bus. That'd just be flat wrong. We're not going to do that. 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 Bright colors. And we had a good group out there yesterday, working in the heat. I mean, scraping and sanding and doing all these different things. Praise God for every one of them. And I mean that. I was thankful when in my office, and I thank God that those people were out there doing that. I thank God for it. Because once our bus ministry fires back up, I want it to be fired up, man. I want them buses out there picking up people and bringing them in, man, that they might hear the gospel. Well, who all was out there? It doesn't matter. God knows. God knows who was out there. I don't think there was one of them out there that was doing it just so that they could be patted on the back. Oh, I could tell you so many other things. I'm telling you, the work of God, the work of God is a wonderful, there's greatest work in the world. It's the greatest work in the world. We all want to be involved. Make our life count for God. One of these days, we get to heaven, there's going to be somebody that rode one of those buses that got saved by the grace of God that's going to be up there. Well, that doesn't seem like a very important thing, preacher, this bus ministry and all this different stuff. I'm telling you, one of these days, it's going to mean the world. And those that were involved in it, in whatever way they were involved in it, you can be sure that their life's going to count for God at that point. And so many other things. Nursery ministry, I could go on. Let's just make sure we're doing what God would have us to do. Remember this, your work for God doesn't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Well, if I work hard enough around here, can I get to heaven? No. The only way to heaven is trusting Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. And if you don't know this, that this morning, we sure love an opportunity to sit down and talk to you about that. Let's bow our heads. Would you bow?